Good morning. And good morning to those of you who are watching online this morning with us as well. We are in this morning the last chapter of the, or the final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount uh, series, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you haven't been with us, it takes up those three chapters, the largest block of Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. So we'll have three more messages today, two more to finish up this series. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, um, Jesus turns the dial a little bit more, as he has been doing if you followed this series. I've mentioned before that the Sermon on the Mount, um, in a sense, a large block of teaching, it, it um, progresses. In some ways, it builds off of what went before. And we get it you know, in a bunch of weeks, but the whole thing in a single read builds it off. And Jesus spent time in the last chunk, chapter 6, talking about the temptations both of money, uh, wealth, and uh, the temptations of worry. How wealth and worry uh, can rob us of the life that God has come to give us and has given us if you are a Christ follower this morning. And in this chapter, he moves from wealth and worry to the hard work of living out our faith in human relationships. And I hope that you've... uh, grasp this concept, I've mentioned this before, that really the, not only this whole sermon, but you might say the, the Old Testament commandments of which Jesus is teasing out the moral law of God. What is the purpose of the moral law of God? In many ways, it's all about human relationships, right? The first tablet is about our relationship with God. The second tablet, beginning with, you know, the uh, love your and honor your parents and going right down to how you treat your neighbors, is about human relationships. And the purpose of living out these laws, not to gain God's acceptance, right? We've talked about that. But because we have God's acceptance, we have his power, we live out the kingdom of God, and we, um, it's all about uh, human relationships, about loving human relationships, about thriving in human relationships. And this morning it's a message beginning in Matthew 7, I have a copy of the Bible, titled Sacred uh, Communication. Sacred Communication. How do we... Uh, minister and live and love each other as followers of Jesus. Matthew 7, 1 through 6, follow along as I read these words. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces." Sacred communication. The first thing I think Jesus wants to say in this passage is we need to look for the best, not the worst in others, right? We, want, we need to look for the best, not the worst in others. Now, this verse, especially the first one, is perhaps, along with a few others, one of the most well-known words of Jesus quoted by Christians and non-Christians. I think it might have been the first Bible verse I ever heard, and I did not grow up in a 
Bible-quoting family. Um, judge not, you know, I think my mother would say that often. But it's, it's, it's not only a popular Bible verse because it's short and it gets to the point, but I would say in our day, you know, even in, in, in our in, in current modern uh, society, you know, this might be the, you know, the cause celeb verse for people that have nothing to do with the Christian church, but we live in a society, in a manner of speaking, where, you know, we're not supposed to judge anything anymore. All positions, whatever the point of view is, whether it's about your politics, your sexual orientation, I mean, you name it, you know, everything is to be affirmed. We're not supposed to judge anything, but I would say to you, although it's a very popular concept, it's a greatly misunderstood, right? I don't think what Jesus is saying in this verse or in this larger passage is we ought to suspend all of our judgments, right, about people. Uh, I think he's saying we're not supposed to just not notice anybody's faults or anybody's imperfections. He's not saying that. I think he's saying we shouldn't focus on them, right? There's a difference. It's a difference, right? You know, the Bible doesn't teach that we shouldn't care about how other people live their lives. We shouldn't pay attention, parents and children and friends and, 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 and colleagues, that we should, especially inside the Christian community, that we should, we should not care about how, how other people live their lives or if we see them doing things that are self-destructive, you know, habits and hang-ups and hurts that are being self-destructive in their life. It's not what he's saying uh, at all in this context or even in this passage, right? I mean, the whole, this context is king. When you get down to verse five after this colorful, you know, metaphor, he says, listen, Deal with your own plank, your own critical spirit, whatever it is that's blinding you. you got to start with yourself. But eventually, I do want you to clearly remove, uh, to help somebody else in your life, in your uh, community, in your family, whose vision is impaired. Maybe they don't understand how much God loves them. They need some help there in understanding who they are. Or maybe they have a blind spot. I want you to help them. So this passage is not talking about no judgment at all. It's talking it's about, about not making, what it's, what, it's, what it's discouraging is not making final judgments or what you and I might call being judgmental. It's a big difference than, than the difference between me or you or me receiving good counsel, some encouragement, some speaking the truth in love. There's a difference between that and someone saying to me, you're a loser, okay, or you're a failure, or you'll never amount to anything. Those kinds of ultimate judgments that can be crushing um, is really what Jesus is talking about in this passage. We're not supposed to judge the whole person. Why? Because we're not capable of knowing the whole person, right? I see what I see. I see the behaviors, but I cannot see the motives, right? When I was a college student, which was a few years ago, right? Uh, but I still remember for a few years while I was in college, during my college years, I worked at uh, the Xerox Corporation uh, here in Rochester. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a very interesting little season. You know, I, as a young man, I mean, I was 20, whatever I was, and, you know, you dress up and go to the big tower downtown and, you know, do a big boy job, you know, or so I thought. And now the job I had there in those years was pretty simple. I was a... Um, you know, I, I, I ran some reports and I just made to make sure the reports were the right reports, you know, and page, you know, the last page was the last page, you know, simple stuff, make sure that it was the right stuff and then deliver those to the right people. That was the essence of my job. But every once in a while, there was, uh, when I would be, you know, caught up, 
I would be, you know, just lend it out to another department. And in the couple years, maybe three years long during that college period that I was doing this uh, in my college career, that I was at the Xerox Corporation, I was lent out to this other department for maybe a max, I'm guessing, of 100 days. But I still remember, okay, the person who was my, you know, boss for those 100 days, my boss's friend or colleague, um, saying to me one time, okay, in, a, in, a, in just a private conversation, that, you know, I was probably didn't have what it takes to do this kind of work, okay? He's smiling at me, Icona. He worked with me, right? Probably said it to you too, right? No, 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 never to me, right? But I remember, um, you know, now I'm sure what this person was saying was, was they, they were speaking the truth, they, were, they noticed something, but let me tell you something for a young 20-year-old. It was devastating. And now it's been, you know, 15, 20 years, whatever it's been since I was in college. Um, you know what? I probably worked with hundreds of, not hundreds, let's say 50 people, I'm guessing, over the course of a few years. That name I remember, okay? That one name, uh, I, I won't say it, maybe she's in here, but I, that one name um, I remember. But let me say this too. Even as you get older, Right? For the rest of us, you know, grown-up kids in the room. Rarely, rarely, parents would know this, those of you who raised kids, rarely does that kind of um, words, I'm talking about being judgmental. I mean a whole-scale judgment on someone's character, labeling them. Rarely does that ever produce the desired result that you want to see in your child, in your, co in your colleague, in the person that is working for you. It's unwise and it's harmful to human relationships. That's why Jesus is talking about it. Because we do not have the capacity. It's not a sense of some people are better at it than others. I wish I had more discernment. I wish I was better with people than you are. We don't have the capacity to judge other people's motives, I would say this, and I think the Bible will back me up in a second. Not only do we not have the capacity to judge other people's motives because of something that they said or because of something that they did, I think in most cases we can't even judge our own motives very well. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says these words. He was criticized, by the way, if you, if you read these two letters, uh, both written um, by the Apostle Paul to the church in Greece, which he helped found. And of, the, of all the churches that he helped start, this one, we know from within the letter, he was highly criticized. They were very critical of many things. He, he, they thought he was you know, uh, um, uh, in it for the money. They thought he wasn't a great speaker. They criticized the way that he looked. They thought his motives were wrong. They criticized him. And this is what Paul says in response to that criticism. My conscience is clear, okay? You have to read the whole letter. He says, listen, these four or five things that you're saying are true about me, Paul says, listen, number one, I want you to know, they are not true of me. I have not, I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it for the glory. I'm not in it to draw attention to myself. That's not why I'm in this. God has called me, and that's the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing, and what I'm doing isn't easy. He says, my conscience is clear, but... That does not make me innocent, right? Why does Paul say that? Because Paul says, listen, as far as I know, I haven't done anything wrong. But he says, it's the Lord who judges me on this kind of ultimate judgment. Therefore, 
Judge nothing before the appointed time. He's not saying don't, make, don't have discernment. But what he's saying is, listen, this kind of ultimate judgment, not only about other people, but about yourself. I'll never make it. I'll never be any good. I'll never change. Right? Don't do it. Wait until the appointed time, until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Only he knows that. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. The only person who's capable of making ultimate judgments is God. What we are called to do, this is the real emphasis of this passage, is to encourage each other, is to help each other, is to lovingly speak the truth in love, to help each other become more of what God wants us to be. To do that, we need to always begin with ourselves. That's the point of this, you know, colorful uh, little um, analogy that Jesus gives, right? So we need to begin with ourselves. Because we're sinners, think about this for a minute. We see other people. I mean all people, even the people that are the closest to you, the person you're sitting next to, you know, or your friend, or your children, or your parents. We see other, all, the way we see other people is colored by our biases, by our prejudice, by our history. I'm not so sure, the more I think about it, that without a divine work of grace in my own life, without a divine work of grace in our lives, that we can be objective, truly objective about anything in life, right? We're always seeing things through our own biases. We're always seeing things through our own prejudices. We're always seeing things through our own history. And we come to our judgments upon people. We see them in that lens, okay? I've gotten interested over the last just year or two um, in what's called behavioral economics. Now, I'm not an economist, uh, uh, but uh, those of you who are know a lot about this subject. But here's the basic interesting thing about behavioral economics. This is the, for dummies. This is what it basically says. It says that when people make their choices, whether it's for a box, of, whether it's for cereal or a car, relationships even, a doctor, it goes on and on, that they said this, for years and years, the accepted science was that people basically make their decisions based upon their rational choice. It's based on rationality. And although there's obviously fringe people, but for the most part, economists said, you plan your marketing strategy that people are going to make logical, rational decisions to buy goods and services. But behavioral economics says, it turns out, in their theory, that people do not make most of their decisions in a rational way. They don't start with an idea, this is the old science, and they work through a sense of argument with their other uh, people in their industry or in their family, and then they arrive at a conclusion. Start with an idea, work through an argument, arrive at a conclusion. Behavioral economics says this. People start with their conclusions. And their argument is used to affirm their conclusions so then they get at the end, they can affirm what it is that they started to believe. Now, you may say, well, that's crazy. Let me say something about behavioral economics. 30 years ago, it was thought of as a pseudoscience. Today, it's the accepted form of economics that's taught in most schools. The guy who won the 27 Pulitzer Prize used to teach at the University of Rochester. Thaler is his name, I think. I'm pronouncing it wrong. Won the Nobel Prize for behavioral economics. In most cases, here's the point. With an unaided point of view, that's what Jesus is trying to say. You need an aided point of view. You need God's help. I need God's help. Sometimes I need your help. 
so that help me. Without an unaided point of view, we tend to look for what we've planned on seeing in other people. I want you to meet my friend. I want you to meet my star. I want you to meet my doctor. But see, we tend to look. We come with our assumptions. We tend to look for what we've planned on seeing, number one. Second thing we tend to do is we tend to exaggerate the faults of others and minimize our own faults. You know, it's amazing what you can learn. You know, the, the, in here, you know, the humanity that is on display in a, um, a, uh, a men's locker room, okay? I, I, just this, this week, I, I was in the locker room uh, where I work out, and this guy, he was a bay or so over, started to go off on the whole Boeing, uh, you know, the airplane thing, right? And, I mean, I mean he was really, uh, first he started with the Boeing people. And then he went on to the president. And then he went on to Wall Street. I mean, it was just, you, unless you were in the shower, you could hear this guy. And it was, it was louder and louder. And, you know, the F-bomb started. To, and it was like, wow. And it was so mind-blowing. I thought, I'm just going to retie my shoes. You know, I just want, I don't want to miss this, you know. And uh, it's amazing. Uh, uh, this guy, I, no one could be as smart as, as he was on this subject. You know? What Jesus is doing here, okay, back to this middle paragraph, it's kind of a ridiculous example, okay? I mean, I don't know, maybe if, I was here, if we were there, maybe Jesus is cracking a joke. He was a carpenter's son, right, in the manner of speaking. That's what we called him. In other words, he's talking about this guy walking. I, I mean, I would think that... You and I have heard this for many years if, you're a, if you've been in the church or read the Bible, but to talk about a plank coming out of someone's eye doesn't even make any sense. It's, it's an over-the-top, ridiculous uh, um, uh, example, but I think he's doing it to make a very serious point, right? A serious point. This is the first and only time, Matthew chapter 7, verse 5, where Jesus uses this um, very powerful and offensive word, hypocrite, right? I don't, you know, I'd rather be called a lot of other things than be called a hypocrite. It's a, it's a powerful word. Jesus uses the word hypocrite here the only time, not to talk about the religious leaders, not to talk about the, you know, the self-righteous bad guys, but to talk about his disciples, right? He's talking to them. You hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye. Why does he do that? Because he sees our communication with others, not just other Christians, but people in general, as sacred. Right? We all need honest, tough love to grow. But left to ourselves, right? basically, not all of us, but most of us, you know, we're always right and most everyone else has it wrong. Right? But when someone comes to you, like this woman... Did I tell you I haven't forgot her name in 32 years or whatever? Okay. When someone comes to you and says, you're a failure, right? That's not very helpful. But when someone comes to you and says, um, I think uh, you have a blind spot in this area in your life. Or you have a habit that I think is, is actually keeping you back from being all that I think you can be, that's actually pretty helpful. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. 
But the only way we can be successful at sacred communication with other people is if we do it ourselves first before God. Well-known verses. Um, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And that was, think about that, what Paul said. Paul said, listen, as far as I know, I'm innocent. Sometimes I have those moments when someone calls me on something and I'm, I'm so encouraged. I think, wow, you're done? I didn't do any of those things. I'm clear. I'm so encouraged. But Paul said, listen, that doesn't make me innocent, right? Because I don't know everything there is to know about me, right? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. The implication is because I don't know them. See if there is any offensive way in me, right? And lead me in the way everlasting. I would say to you and to myself, if you're serious about wanting to have um, honest and constructive and meaningful and life-changing, life-altering, life-affirming um, uh, relationships with other people. Yes, you're not going to do this with someone on the bus and, and you know, your mother-in-law if you don't get along. I'm not talking about that kind of thing, but people in your life who are important to you and God has put in your life, if you really want to have a constructive, growing relationship, I don't know that there's a more important prayer and a more important discipline than this. This is what Jesus is getting at, right? He's being... Um, He's being clever, but he's being very serious. The, I think the plank, I, I read a couple commenters, they said this. What is the plank, if there's a, a one-for-one one analogy in this metaphor? He said, I don't think the plank is this, that, or the other sin. Many commentators said, the plank is the critical spirit. That's the plank. And until you can get rid of the critical spirit, right, the self-righteousness, the criticism, that's really a part of, of how you see the world, then you can't really see people for who they are. You can't really help them. Last point, the goal in this passage, the goal in this teaching is correction, is not correction, but restoration. This is important, okay? This is very important. I don't think Jesus is overly concerned in this passage in what we say or don't say. He cares of judge not lest you be judged. But what he really cares about is whether or not we're of any help to people, right? The, 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 this verse, chapter 7, verse 6, is one of the most challenging verses to interpret in the New Testament, okay? If you've ever read books on this or if you run a church and, you know, your pastor took the summer and said, we're going to do the challenging verses this summer kind of a thing, Matthew 7, 6 is one of them that people just sort of skip over, Right? Do not give dogs what is sacred. And do not throw your pearls to pigs. Right? It's doubtful that's anybody's favorite verse in the Bible. Right? If you do, they will trample them under their feet. Trample, uh, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Right? Now the most common interpretation of this verse is that what Jesus is saying in the context of judging, is he saying this, okay? I'm going to give you this. Most commentators will say, he's basically saying this. 
I want you to have um, um, vulnerable and, and meaningful and, and risky relationships with others in the sense of you really want to help them, you know, take the speck out of their eye after you've taken the plank out of your own eye. I want you to go for it. But there are some people that will never hear what you have to say. There's some people that are never, they're not ready for what you have to say. It's not worth it. Do not bother throwing your great pearls of wisdom to them. Okay, now that's what it says. And I would say, you know, um, there's certainly sense in other places in the New Testament of which there, we are encouraged to exercise a level of discernment. And some, not everyone is willing to hear what we have to say. But I would, I would say to you, I'm, I'm going to take the minority opinion here. So if I'm wrong, um, I'm wrong, okay? But I think what Jesus is saying here is, is it, it, loving other people is hard work, right? And if we really want to love other people, mainly now I'm talking about the body of Christ, if we really want to love one other people, it needs to be a kind of love that is shared, a kind of love that is modeled, and a kind of love that is applied. In other words, we have to roll up our sleeves, we need to be vulnerable, we need to take risks because it's delicate surgery, right? And it doesn't always work out the way that we want to work it out. But I think what Jesus is saying is that the issue in this passage is not worthiness. They're not worthy of my help. It's helpfulness. I think what Jesus is saying is this. You know, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls before swine. I think one of the reasons that many people do not accept our advice, sometimes when I don't accept other people's uh, 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 help, the reason people don't accept my help, the reason that I don't sometimes accept other people's help is it's given to me as advice, right? I'm throwing you some advice. But what people need is not advice. They need help, right? The gospel is not advice. The gospel is about the forgiveness of sin and it's about a whole new way of life. And that's, that can only be shared, that can only be modeled. That has to be applied in a take-it-or-leave-it attitude, right? Sometimes do that. Here's what I got. You got a problem. You're this, you're that, you're the other thing. This take-it-or-leave-it attitude, I'm going to throw you my pearls in a manner of speaking, is treating people like animals, okay? That's what I think Jesus is saying. And what most people need is not better answers. They need a helping hand and a willing heart. And see, that takes a different kind of investment. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. I think this is what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, the Apostle Paul, you who live by the Spirit, okay? There's a lot in that word. In other words, you know, uh, uh, this kind of work is for people who live and work in a power that's not their own. Okay, that's what he's saying. Can't do this in your own power. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Why gently? Watch yourself because they might respond and tear you to pieces right, in the process. Or you where yourself may be tempted right, to strike back. Carry each other's burdens. Okay, That's not giving advice. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something, now watch how he ends this. When they are not, they deceive themselves, right? Now why does he add that verse? Because he's saying, listen, 
If you, if, if, you, if you haven't taken the plank out of your eye, if you think that you're the smartest person in the room, that you're here just to tell someone else what's wrong with them, don't bother, right? Anyone who thinks they are something when they are nothing, they deceive themselves, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us are able, have the capacity to judge another person's motives. We gotta come humbly to people in love, speaking the truth in love and say, friend, honey, son, dad, mom, whatever. Here's a blind spot I think you might wanna pay attention to. Here's a habit that I think you might, that might be keeping you back from being all that you can be and I love you and I just wanna, I want to share that with you. The last probably um, year or so, I've spent time with a guy who um, um, has had the, who's had the hardest, if I told you what happened in his life, you know, we all have uh, friends like this in our own lives, seasons where it seems like everything just falls the wrong way. And he's been in one of those seasons, and I've gotten to know him, and, 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 and over the last year, of all the times that I've spent with him, mostly, almost exclusively, I just listen to him. It's, it's him talking and me listening. And occasionally, there's a few times over this year where he needed something. I just gave him something, a practical thing. But I have never given him advice because I can tell by listening to him that he's not ready for it. I know by the way he talks about everyone else in his life that there's no point in doing it. But just recently, within the last two weeks, I sat down in a long conversation with him and he said to me, with a kind of a look on his face that was different. He said, listen, this, Rob, this last week was the hardest week I've had in a very long time. And he wasn't crying, but it was just one of those looks like, you know, it, and it was just, it was the most vulnerable he's been with me. And I thought, this is my moment, you know. And I said, well, listen, if I can, let me tell you something. That when I listen to you, let me tell you what I hear, not just today, over the course of the last year, the whole world is against you. I just said, when I listen to you, I just want you to know as your friend, when I, you, at what you say to me is, everyone in this area, this area, personal life, this work thing, everyone is against you. And what I want to say to you as your friend is if you really want to change, you want to see change in your life, you're going to have to decide, make a decision that that is actually not true, number one. The world is not. Everyone in the world is not against you. And you're gonna need to open yourself up to some of the help that has been offered to you. And then, you know, the pastor card, you know, <laughs> I said, and I think you also uh, should be open to God's help in your life. And I'm not saying God's going to rain uh, money from the sky. God's not going to solve your problems. But I think you should also just be open. Invite him into your life to help you. I think that went okay. You know, He seemed to receive what I said. But you know what? The next time, he may not be in a mood to receive it. And he may, uh, in a manner of speaking lash out and tear me to pieces, okay, verbally. But here's the thing. Here's why it's okay. Because I've already made a decision. I'm committed to this man, right? And, 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 and even though he may not always receive it, even though he might, in Jesus' language, tear me to pieces, okay, 
I'm already decided I'm not going anywhere. And I would say lastly to all of us in this invitation to have this kind of sacred communication, hard conversations with people in your life. The only way I can do it, you say, Pastor, do you have feelings? Oh my goodness, yes. Do you get criticized? Oh my goodness, yes. Like you do, okay? But the only way I can do it, move closer to the, do the delicate surgery when I'm called to do it to help someone else with a blind spot or to point out a hurt or a habit that's self-destructive is, is by affirming and re-appreciating God's acceptance and love for me every single day. Because this is what I realize. A lot of criticism will come my way in these kinds of relationships. And some of it's even true, right? Sometimes I can say it's not true. Some I say, you're right. Uh, uh, you're, you're, you're right about what you have to say. But if I'm so sensitive to that criticism, here's what I'm gonna do. We're done, right? Do not throw your... Um, sacred things before dogs. Do not throw your pearls to pigs, right? right? That's what I want to do. Here, here you go, buddy. Take it or leave it, right? No. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to take risks. You got to roll up your sleeves and you might get a punch verbally here or there. But because I can say, listen, my deepest needs have been satisfied. Jesus Christ accepted me. He loves me. And this stuff that's coming my way, even if only... Three-quarters, two-thirds of it isn't true. Some of it is. You know what? I'm, I can take it. I can take the punch. I can take the criticism. And I'm going to hang in there and continue to move towards you because I want to see God do something great in your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we offer ourselves to you this morning. And we ask that you search our hearts Reveal our own pride, our own blindness to us. Begin with me and move across this room today. Help us to live an open and honest life before you. To be open to your correction and the loving correction of others. Help us to see, seek your daily grace for ourselves. And then move toward those you want us to help today. Bring to mind today anyone we need to forgive or seek forgiveness from that we might reflect in our relationships the love and grace of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Uh, stand with me if you would. I wanna say, uh, make two quick announcements before you head out here this morning. Um, the first one is in the first panel of your bulletin at the bottom, it mentions congregational meeting April 7th, 11.45 a.m. Um, we are going to have a congregational meeting three weeks from today. It'll be kind of right now and you know, take a quick 10-minute uh, break and come back kind of thing. And the purpose of that meeting is the same purpose that we had six, five, six, five weeks ago, I guess, on February the 10th, to bring forth to you our amended, um, revised bylaws and articles of faith. Now, to those of you who were here, first of all, thank you very much, the, 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 the two or three hundred of you that were here uh, five weeks ago. We didn't um, take the vote because after a good robust discussion and some additional feedback, we lost our quorum. 
and uh, you can't, you got to have a quorum. So we, that, that was a, uh, uh, that's just what happened. But the upside was we did uh, get some more good information, and your elder board um, has incorporated these changes, and we want to bring it back to you uh, in its revised form. You can get a copy today, hard copy, on the welcome desk. It's on our website as well. And we hope, by God's grace, to uh, um, ask you to come out again. And we thank you for the time that many of you came. All members are, anyone's welcome, but we encourage our members to come. And we will do our best to, to bring you an up or down vote. Um, uh, we hope you vote yes, but you can vote no. We just, but we want to bring this to you um, with our blessing, our, our, our encouragement. And uh, we will have uh, child care. And we were encouraged to do that and little, uh, maybe a pizza or something for, the, for your children. So thank you for that. Second thing I want to say is um, I, was, uh, got in, I went down to the gym. Jason already mentioned this in between the services for the Double Dog Dare. Again, some of you don't know what that means, but it's, a, it's an event by our, our student ministry to invite their friends after a, a, a times in homes to church for a, you know, finish up the, the um, you know, the challenge, you know, there's winners, and ultimately, though, to then hear a, a, a presentation of the gospel. And of those 130, I think, that Josh meant, or, or Jason mentioned, 53 um, of those were, you know, uh, inv- invites. Um, so I just wanted to say that. It's very exciting, and, and I want to close by praying for that, uh, which has just taken place. Amen? Let's pray. God and Father, we thank you again for the, uh, this day that you've given us. I thank you for the, um, the opportunity uh, every Sunday, really, just to, to open the doors of this church and to, and to be faithful to your word and just to share it with uh, uh, everyone that comes. And we thank you for today, for our, for our students, um, our junior and senior high students who who, uh, you know, took the, uh, the challenge to, uh, in, to be uh, hospitable in their homes and those parents on uh, uh, yesterday evening and, uh, and, to, and to have uh, a handful of them come back today. We, we just pray that you would, that your Holy Spirit will be, uh, have blessed those uh, a couple hours here and we pray the word of God would, would penetrate minds and hearts and that it would accomplish uh, what you set it out to accomplish and we just we love you and we thank you in Jesus name amen